A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Greetings, Grapple fans, and welcome along to episode 110 of the Pro Wrestling Index here on the Anfield Index podcast channel, where tonight it's all about the Survivor Series weekend, uh, NXT TakeOver War Games 2, and of course Survivor Series itself. Uh, could not do this by myself. In fact, we've got a bit of extra special help so uh, forget your fabulous free birds, forget Crush joining Demolition, forget the New Day, even forget the Big Show joining the bar, because it's not just me, it's not just Guy, we've only gone and got the analyst back, it's Mr. Mo Chatra, how you doing Mo? <laughs> what an intro, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really good, thanks Andy, uh, glad to be back, um, like I was never away. <laughs> The, the Drake Maverick to our AOP. <coughs> oh, yeah. ah, except, <laughs> except we don't need to piss our pants. But we'll get to that in uh, in all good time. And uh, before before we really crack into it, guy, we did the preview for NXT. We did the preview for Survivor Series, and um, we did kind of say, didn't we? <laughs> Look. NXT always delivers. Uh, we want and we wanted Survivor Series just to be fun. Um, we kind of got a bit what we wanted and not what we wanted. Um, yeah. O- overall, the weekend was definitely good. Um, Survivor Series was really, really weird. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Is weird. Um, some of it was good. Some of it was just damn wrong, terrible. Um. But as we predicted, I think we pretty much predicted every result of the NXT card, but nevertheless, we predicted it would be brilliant, and it was. It, it was brilliant again, even, well, four and a half matches, if you can count the first one as a half. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I even predicted that, actually. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it was... Uh, it was uh, it was a good weekend overall, uh, but yeah, my prediction stopped being right when NXT finished. Yeah, we, yes, folks, we told you so in some ways, but not others. And, and let's get into it then. Um, <laughs> that that first bit then. Uh, more Matt Riddle, we've seen him on NXT a couple of times. Um, not 
too convinced myself with this whole bro thing. But um, anyway, Cassius Ono, uh, kind of, kind of playing a heel here. Um, we got a seven-second match. Um, a strange, slightly strange way. Do you think to uh, to introduce Matt Riddle to uh, to the wider audience? Yeah, it sort of was um, a bit of a waste of time, really. Uh, Riddle has got a lot of charisma. Um, he's a heck of a worker, in fact, as somebody who's relatively inexperienced. Um, but if they wanted to debut him, um, I'd rather they have just cut off 10 minutes of the main event and let these two have a proper match, albeit a shorter match. But they could still have worked a really good, fun 10-minute match. But uh, they decided, well, no, we're only going to give them a few seconds. Um, so it didn't really do a great job of getting Riddle over. Um, and it further buried um, Ono and you know just scratching my head here wondering why on earth he ever decided to go back to the WWE or NXT because he's um, an amazing worker but you'd never ever know it watching him on NXT he just looks like another another guy uh, whereas on the independence he is um, just an amazing talent and it's such a shame to see him go to waste like this. Um, but no, it, it was just a, a bizarre start to the show. Uh, but thankfully, um, it was the only low. Yeah, it was indeed. It was, yeah, very much an odd one. And the talk was uh, in previous weeks that they, these two would have a match. It would be recorded there. And it was obviously going to be shown on the uh, the TV, the NXT TV that actually follows this. So it was not going to be part of the takeover. So, they they'd had a change of heart at the last minute. A strange way to do it. Um, a guy that the next one up then Shayna Baszler, Kyrie saying in the best two out of three falls match. We predicted the outcome, but I've got to say, guy, this this match itself felt kind of weird to me. I, I don't know. These two had a, an excellent match uh, evolution that I absolutely loved, but this one, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm still not sure quite what to make of this. Yeah, it was it was very strange. I mean, I think we were all expecting normally normally in these sorts of matches the first fall goes quite quickly, and that's kind of what that's what happened again, wasn't it? Was it was it Shane who got the first one? Yeah, Shane yeah. got the first one. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Just having a blanket. Um, yeah, it's obviously that's what happened, and obviously the outside interruption stuff obviously happened, and. I predicted this to be their best match so far, and I think it was just kind of rushed and just seemed a bit. Maybe they were just trying to get milk the main event as much. Not milk. That's probably a negative spin on it, but give the main event as much time as possible. Um, as Mo said, they probably could have given uh, the Riddle and uh, Ono a good few minutes out of that as well. Yeah. But no, I mean this one just kind. Of, it seemed to go quicker than you'd expect, and I, I think. Once the match was even at one all, it seemed to go into a decent spell. Obviously, um, Kari said obviously mental. Um, obviously, that nice spot with um, Ayo Shirai. Uh, but it, it just seemed to... It just seemed like loads of random events more than a cohesive match, which is possibly what separates a, a, a bit of a spot fest to something that's watchable and then... You, Possibly an art form, if you get what I mean. But yeah, it did. It did feel very strange, and I, I'd probably say the evolution match was a lot better. Uh, and more, what, what did you make of this one then? 
Um, I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good match. Um, now I get the uh, point about feeling rushed, but um, I thought that's what made it quite a hot opener. Um, you want the opening matches to be a little bit more faster paced, all action, just to set the tempo for the event. And uh, I thought they did that. You know, I, I think it could have done with maybe another two, three minutes at least, um, if not slightly more. But even as it was, um, I thought they they packed a lot in and uh, you know kept me interested throughout. So um, you know, that was good. And I'm, I'm not always keen on outside interference, but um, when it did weave itself into the match, um, I thought it added rather than detracted from it. So overall, I was I was um, you know, fine with it, and uh, it was seemingly setting things up for maybe a wider program between um, Shane Basler's uh, two friends, Marina Shafir and Jessamine Duke, I think the name is. And um, on the other side, obviously, um, we've got Ayo Shirai and Dakota Kai teaming with... Um, with Carrie Sainia. Carrie Sainia, yeah. So... That appears to be the direction, um, and that that's something I'm fine with. I think that they uh, can certainly um, go in a different direction, perhaps after the uh, takeover preceding the Rumble, um, because um, you know they've been feuding for uh, you know a good couple of months now, and uh, yeah, by January been... it will certainly feel like overkill. Yeah, they are, they have been working together for quite a long time now. So yeah, it does feel as though it's uh, probably time, very very close that time for them all to move on to something else. Um, the next match though, Alistair Black at Johnny Gargano. More, I've watched this match twice, and I feel like I have to watch it again just to just to verify that hey, I've actually seen what I think I've seen. Um, th- this is just one of the most incredible matches I- I've ever watched. The, 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 the physicality at such a at such a breakneck speed, you know, constantly throughout, and it, just to such precision as well. It it was, for me, it was absolutely impeccable. This match, it was just fantastic. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, it was another Gargano classic. Um, Johnny Johnny's is... takeover. Sorry, he's no longer <laughs> Johnny wrestling. Johnny takeover. Mister takeover. Yeah, the. Uh... Shawn Michaels to the takeover, isn't he? Uh, no, he, he's just an amazing machine when it comes to churning out these really memorable matches. And um, I expected it to be really, really top end. And, you know, they certainly delivered. For me, um, I actually thought it was um, a slight tad under a couple of his takeover matches this year. Um, but that's not a criticism. It's just... Uh, praise for how good he's been this year consistently incredible um, is the only word that comes to mind um and um you know i thought alistair black as well um to give him his credit uh, also more than delivered and held his own and kept up with Gargano. and i thought that um the pair of them just assembled um an absolute masterpiece and um you know just uh Great match that followed on from the previous one with a great tempo, great pace throughout. I mean, if you go back to um, Kevin Owens early John Cena matches when he debuted on the main roster, um, 
he worked his matches at a very similar pace. Um, we'd seen it where there was very few lulls. And it was just all action you know, and constant um, perpetual motion. And this is what we saw here. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of pace is very difficult to deliver a long match with. But they, to their credit, more than delivered. And uh, it was certainly one of the, you know, fair to say, all-time great matches delivered under the WWE banner. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Guy, you know, we did we did say in the preview that this match could it could well be match of the weekend. I, I've got to say, for, for my money, it, it absolutely was. Um, again, for just just one one of the most incredible matches I've ever seen. It just like I said, the the precision of it was absolutely impeccable. The physicality at such a pace for for nigh on twenty minutes, just nonstop. It, it was tiring. <laughs> keep trying to keep up with this. It was just unbelievable. And the storytelling through it and everything is just that there's, and the, the great thing for me as well, guy is there's more to come from the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the both, well, the both just fantastic. Obviously I mentioned in the preview, the, the only bad thing about Alistair's running NXT is that his title reign was um, during the, the Gargano um, Champa feud, which, uh, Asmo alluded to, has been some of the best work we've seen in WWE history. And this, albeit it's probably not in that bracket because it, 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 it does have a good story, but it doesn't have the, the long-standing story there. But... Um, yeah, this this match was just fantastic, and I think it I think it pisses. Uh, I don't know why, but WWE TV seems to have allowed everyone to say piss nowadays. So I'm going to say it on the pod. <laughs> uh, but this pisses uh, match of the weekend. It, it, it was just it had everything. It had technical wrestling. It had a tattooed bloke kicking someone as hard as he possibly could, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, it was just it was a masterpiece of, of fast paced wrestling. What what did you say? Twenty odd minutes. Uh, it was it, eighteen minutes. It it, it felt like they minutes. did so much that it could easily have been a thirty minute match. And yeah, uh, I yeah. mean things like Gargano jumping through uh, and the knee to the head that was mm. you know that that was so easy to to miscalculate, and that they did it everything perfectly. Um, I won't take a cheap dig at um, a member of the women's roster, but this is this is how you do it. That's how you do the first breaker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, no, I mean, these two are elite workers, and the longer they stay in the NXT, the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, well, this, this is the point. Uh, and more, that, I guess, t- we're, um, sorry, a guy mentioned there, Tommaso Ciampa is champion, Next up, we saw him defend his title against Velveteen Dream. This was something different for Tommaso Ciampa in terms of the style to work in and obviously the backstory and everything like that. So a different challenge for him in his title run. He's really developed his character and he's in there with someone with incredible, incredible panache and that charisma level that's off the charts. Coming out in the Hollywood gear, um, how do you think Velveteen did in his uh, in his first title match on the big stage, uh, and and what did you make of the match itself? I thought uh, Velveteen had the match of his career, and um, was just um, an absolutely breathtaking performance for somebody who 
is again so relatively inexperienced and uh for me this was um every bit as good as the preceding match and uh i thought no way on earth can these two possibly match what preceded this and yet for me by the end of the match i thought it was just as good um as you know i like to do these snowflakes ratings these star ratings and i gave both matches exactly the same um uh, obviously a very different type of match it was more of a slow burner started off slightly slower a little bit more on the comedy side with you know um velveteen playing off of the um whole hollywood gimmick and teasing the leg drops and then hitting the leg drops and uh messing about with the bandana and all that kind of stuff but so once they moved past all of that um and they really got into the serious action then they assembled um a really quite dramatic contest and uh you know it really felt certainly up until about 15 minutes in that you know velveteen had no chance whatsoever but the final five ten minutes you know, I, I generally thought, my God, are they actually going to do this? Are they going to put the belt on him? And the fans were sucked into it as well. I think a lot of the fans were sitting there thinking, oh, Champ is going to win this. But uh, they really started to believe that, you know, we could see a major upset. Uh, but it wasn't to be. Um, Champ retained, um, but not before um, assembling uh, yet another amazing contest. Yeah, and Guy... As Moore said, you know, I mean, Moore's, Moore's put this as just as good as the uh, the Alistair Black Johnny Gargano match. I felt it wasn't quite as good, but it was pretty damn close. And that's you know, and that's that's no slight on it. What I, I did like in the difference between these as well is we barely had any near falls in the uh, Alistair Black Johnny Gargano match, but we still had drama. They used the near falls in this match. And but it it all felt right again. It's two perfectly, perfectly constructed and executed matches. Um, did did you feel that this match was right up there as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this would probably be second um, place in match of the weekend quite easily. Um, yeah, I, I I pretty much agree with what everything Moore just said. I mean, it was a very different match. It was a bit more slow-paced. But they just did it perfectly. I mean, Champa's, Champa's just the perfect heel, isn't he? Because he's an absolute bellend. <laughs> uh, and albeit Velveteen's only just... I think he's only just started playing a... Um, more of the face face in a in a feud for this one. Uh, maybe he did a bit more before that uh, as well. But he, this is the first one from my recollection, and he he's been the face. And you could you could feel that connection with the audience quite early on. And I, I, maybe it was the Hulk Hogan bit thing being cheap uh, popularity. But I mean, look, Hulk's probably not that popular nowadays. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, Velvety Dream. I mean, we say it every podcast or every time we bring up NXT. I mean, he's a baby, and he's putting on possible match of the year contenders. He's already run one feud of the year last year. I mean, you just got to hope that Vince doesn't turn him into fucking our truth. Don't be giving my ideas. I've ruined that now, haven't I? I've ruined. I've ruined that. I made everything positive seem shit now. Um. Did War Games live up to your expectations then, the uh, the main event? Uh, obviously, Pete Dawn, Ricochet, War Raiders taking on Undisputed Era. Um, for me, 
yeah, um, I think it was as mental as it as it possibly could. I mean, I've only I, well, no, I've I've only seen the War Raiders. Um, I think I saw them once. Uh, I think the last Wrestle Kingdom, if I remember correctly, the Chris Jericho debut one. So I think yep. that's the first time I saw what what well, whatever they were called. Were the, what are they called the now? War, uh, War, War Machine. War, War, War Machine. Machine. That's War the Raiders, one. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. I mean, that that was a good change. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, I think I've already seen them once. Obviously, saw them uh, in not interfere, but after the result of the last tag team match at the takeover, they obviously attacked Undisputed Era. Um, so yeah, for my first probably proper experience of them in, in a WWE ring. Um, they just look so unique. I know they're obviously massive, but they just seem to be able to do everything. I mean, if you whack Killian Dane in there, they'd probably be the most confusing thing in the world. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they were brilliant, and uh, I think they were probably my highlights of the match, apart from the table botching. <laughs> I think it was Hanson who couldn't figure out how to open a table, but apart from that, I think they were absolutely brilliant. But yeah, th- this match was um, it was just the right level mental and um, I think everyone looks strong in it, really. And um, Undisputed Era, they're just brilliant together. Uh, I, I like the fact the back as a force. I'm obviously uh, Bobby Fish back from injury. And I think they played on that quite well as well. And Pete Dunne and Ricochet, obviously that tease at the end, I mean, that that has all the potential in the world if they're going to have a champion versus champion feud. Mm. Could be interesting. And uh, more, what did, what did you make of uh, War Games 2 then, uh, the NXT version? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Wow, very long. Um... <laughs> yeah, it was It was quite long. Um it's about three quarters of an hour, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, 47 minutes. Obviously, it takes the time to get everybody in there, doesn't it? So there is that whole kind of build-up. Um, I, I did, I've got to yeah. say more, I did like the little bit they did there when uh, Bobby Fish came and uh, padlocked uh, Pete Dunning. Just, you know, just something that's a little bit different, but uh, certainly plenty of carnage. But in comparison to last year, do you, do you think that the um, they've lived up to what was an incredible one last year? Not quite. Um, I thought this was still a, in the end, um, fantastic match. Um, you know, most other nights on any other show, this would have been match of the night. But for me, this was only the third best match. Um, but uh, no, it was another one similar to the uh, Velveteen Champa one where it started slow. There was quite a very prolonged um, heel beatdown. 
but they dominated um, you know, until everyone was in. And um, obviously, once uh, Bruce away got into the cage, um, obviously it started heating up. And obviously, when the weapons came in, tables um, and all the rest of it, then um, you know we started to see it all escalate um, with the bigger moves, and uh, you know that sucked the crowd in again. And uh, you know, a real crescendo leading to the final few minutes, and uh, built really, really well. And I thought it was a very well laid out, a uh, very well executed match. And um, you know, it was nice to see um, the favourites go over in the main event. So uh, all things considered, um, you know, it turned out to be a, another heck of a match. Not quite at the level of last year, but not far off, very close. Um, but it capped off what for me was probably the best NXT takeover ever. Ooh. That's uh, that's quite quite an accolade, uh, and it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because that's the thing: is NXT takeovers just so consistently deliver? So it, it's it's quite something for them to keep delivering like this, though, isn't it? It is, and um, you know the difficulty they'll have is um, you know, they can only keep the likes of Champ and Gargano um, an undisputed era in NXT for so long as it is, um, you know, these guys, um, all, um, came through, uh, ring of honor, um, and other promotions. I'd, I'd say that they you know, a lot of these guys are better than most of the talent on the main roster. Um, so it's a bit perverse that, um, you know, what is supposed to ostensibly be the developmental brand is the one that features the better talent than, um raw or smackdown but uh i think it's a matter of time now before they do get called up and i think when they do um it will be difficult for those that follow um to quite keep up these kind of levels but in saying that um i suspect that um, the likes ricochet and even pete dunn will come to the fore a bit more and uh you know that they are just as capable of delivering, you know, real top end matches as well. So, uh, you know, I think that the time when we see these types of levels um, kind of dry up or certainly take a step down or notch or two down, um, it's still a while off yet. There's there's a lot of talent still in reserve. You know, we we talked about Matt Riddle earlier on, um, and they they've got their eyes on. Um, some other very fine talent, you know, we've got, um, the big guy who debuted, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, and is it Keith Lee? Yes. Um, that's right. And he's an, another fantastic worker. So all, all of these guys have come through the likes of PWG and ring of honor. And I've been seeing them, you know, absolutely, um, uh, tear it up in these promotions for several years now. And uh, now, as and when Gargano, Champa, Adam Cole, and the rest um, do step up into main roster, then these guys will fill their place and um, be more than adequate replacements and continue to de- deliver these amazing matches. So, uh, yeah, and, and I have to say that um, you know NXT TV for 2018 has probably been the most consistent um, for NXT. Um, Venue year that 
you know, they'd be putting out this format of the TV show. So, uh, you know, even on the TV front, week to week, you know, it has more often than not been a very consistent product as well. So, uh, you know, they've really got into a nice groove. And I think that the only kind of slight couple of gaps are tag division and the um, women's division. But I think that um, even on those two fronts, we'll see an improvement in 2019 as well. So things are certainly looking good for NXT. Absolutely. And that's a, you know, it's, it's a similar challenge that NXT's faced over the last few years. And, and they always seem to keep uh, finding new stars and, and keep developing new people and, and bringing new people in. And it, it just, it, it works so well. So a big positive on the weekend was NXT TakeOver. We expected it. It certainly did deliver fantastic events, some, um, you know, fabulous matches that if you haven't watched why you go and watch them now they are unbelievable right so that was that was the high point of the weekend um the not quite so high point was survivor series itself um uh, more i i i just found it slightly odd i mean we we had the whole Team SmackDown versus Team Raw thing on the preview. Myself and Guy expected this to be really close. Obviously, we looked upon it as seven matches and thought, you know, we would have a 4-3 decider. You know, the final match was going to be the decider. Uh, we actually kind of felt that it was going to be, you know, they were going to play on the whole Shane McMahon thing and somehow SmackDown were going to come up on uh, come out on top. And, and they were going to play on that whole thing. We certainly... Didn't see that, but um, the SmackDown tag teams overcame the Raw tag teams on the pre-show, but now we're not to, uh, basically, we have to forget that that ever took place because um, that match doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was um, strange that they decided to book... Um, Raw to be so dominant um, over SmackDown through the night, and you know, it really didn't make all that much sense because um, you know with SmackDown, it certainly needs to start heating up um, in the lead up to a transition to Fox um, in the new year. Um, or even though it's still quite a while off yet, but uh, no, they don't want to be killing the B show. And, you know, they certainly made it come across like the distinct B-show uh, by the end of the night. But, uh, yeah, they, they um, certainly uh, weren't doing SmackDown many favours and the reasons for that are not exactly clear. Mm, uh, just odd as well, that the, just pure logical storyline-wise, you know, we had the whole lead-up on TV on Raw and SmackDown of picking who was going to be in the tag team battle you know raw versus smackdown tag teams who was going to be the team captains and all the rest of it and they were out there wearing the t-shirts and and it meant nothing <laughs> this is the thing for me it's 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 just a really odd thing to do to build up to it to then turn around and say oh that match meant nothing the score is zero zero at the beginning of you know the kickoff of the actual main show it, i just find it slightly odd that those weeks of television and everything, it nothing. It just meant nothing. Well, that's right. Um, and, uh, you know, th this is part of the course where WWE is concerned. Um, you know, they, uh, 
not quite as on the ball when it comes to uh, continuity and attention to detail. So therefore, you know, we do see things like this, and um, maybe maybe they're onto something. <laughs> maybe they realise that fans pay not as much attention as they perhaps used to in the past. So um, you know, they they can present. Stuff like that, and the the pre-show obviously uh, always for nothing. So uh, yeah, meaningless matches that didn't count towards anything, and uh, yeah, it, it just kind of reiterated and hammered home the point that uh, uh, with with the pre-show, um, well, little point paying any real attention to it yeah. because it doesn't don't really tune matter. In, yeah, but don't bother tuning in, folks, because it's meaningless. It doesn't count for anything. In fact, mm. don't bother watching TV for a few weeks before because that doesn't count either. Hey, so guy, we've had um, we've had our contenders for match of the weekend. Um, here's my contender for worst match of the weekend, or certain one, my pick, and that was the women's mm. team Raw versus women's team SmackDown. For me, I just thought, actually, actually, no, I, I might be on a bit of a tie here. So it's a contender. This match, I just thought it was bloody awful. Um, yeah, it would. It was as bad as we thought it'd be, and that's before that. Well, we thought it would be bad because they didn't have um, they didn't have Sasha and Bailey in. Whacking more. Imagine how bad it could have been, Andy. <laughs> um, oh dear. Oh but, yes. Yeah, oh yeah. That's right. Yeah. There's another yeah. thing. You know where TV. Yeah. What, yeah. what was the point of that whole thing on TV? It's all right. They had a match on uh, Raw. Uh, and yep. yeah, I skipped. I skipped it. <laughs> um, that's how that's how meaningful that feud was with Wright and um, Natalia. It was that bad. Um, yeah, I mean this match was awful. It was always going to be awful. I mean, it. I think obviously it was meant to have Charlotte in. That probably would have made it better. But that SmackDown team, good God, it was awful. Um, yeah, especially. So it was just awful. Sorry, you got I was going to say, what about the other thing that the two be announced, you know, secret mystery partner? Oh, and we yes. said, oh, maybe this could be Nikki Cross. That would be an interesting way to uh, to really bring her in. No, it was Mandy Rose. Yeah, yeah, we said it, didn't we? We said that WWE loved to love to just give out this mystery part. I think they did it last time, and it was ended up being like Natalia or something. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, the most boring person ever. Now you've got the probably well what did we say this match was alicia fox away from having the worst group of talent in the company and yeah yeah i mean mandy rose added that did she actually eliminate some people i mean I, I don't know what the plan was there but i mean she doesn't wrestle on tv she's pretty annoying on the mic and i mean unless she's developed in house shows i don't see why you'd give this spot to someone like that because yeah, she's awful. I mean, you had Nikki Cross, albeit in pretty much a home country. I don't know if she's Scottish, but home country of Manchester. Had a good match with Becky Lynch. Actually interesting. And now she's, like, stuck in limbo that we've seen between before, where she's stuck between NXT and the main roster. I mean, that that would have... That could have been the... In, the 
best possible place to, to give her a debut. Um, I mean, she wasn't even on Evolution, actually, was she? That, that was. It's very weird how no. they're using Nikki Cross at the minute, especially after that whole her knowing it was Johnny Gargano stuff. I mean, it it, it seems like she's she needs to be on the main roster, and this would have been perfect. And fair enough if you, if you didn't want to win, didn't want SmackDown to win, and that possibly the reason why. I mean, you could still book someone strong and have them lose the match. Exactly, uh, and more. Uh, not only a bad match, but um, the the ending. You know, we get Nia Jax as the sole survivor. Um, hashtag facebreaker. Um, hashtag I injure my colleagues. Hashtag handing out concussions. Um, I I get. I totally get her playing as a heel, playing on the whole. You know, what about my fist thing and all the rest of that. But th- this is someone who's now. You know, caused a few injuries, handed out concussions. Um, so, not the safest of workers, and you're getting behind her and almost rewarding her for it. It's it's a kind of strange message for me. Um, I get why they decided to put her over. Um, I think that when Becky's ready, um, then they'll pull the trigger and. The obvious um, time to do that is the Rumble. So, uh, you know, Becky, uh, when it comes to clearance for this concussion, um, should be good to go um, in December. And um, whilst they've got a pay-per-view in December, I think it makes a lot more sense to just hold fire on it until the Rumble and uh, give it a few weeks of build. And um, when they go for the match, um, I think it will have even more heat because of the fact that they are now uh, building uh, nine jacks up um, up until that point. So if they decided to bury her instead and have her eliminated within the first 30 seconds of the match, then the inevitable match with Becky would mean that li- little bit less. So, um, and I, I understand why, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, behind the scenes, they were actually quite furious with Nia because as you say, this isn't the first time, um, she's her one of her colleagues, but um, nonetheless, you know, it was the right thing for business. And um, I was just disappointed in the crowd, though, because you know, the least they could have done is give her a loud, resounding "you can't wrestle" chant. I mean, all, all they were doing was just old-fashioned booing. I mean, come on, that, that's pretty lame. Um, but uh, no, it was um, not a very good match. Um, some of the interactions were very awkward and um, clumsy and uh, a bit like Naya. And, yeah, it was just um, good to see the back of it when uh, she was a sole survivor. And, Not even uh, a mention for Tamina? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was that bad. She's the Bray Wyatt of the female roster, so uh, no. <laughs> I bet she could grow a better beard as well, to be fair. <clears throat> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh, what what did you make of Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura then? Because I quite enjoyed this match, but I don't think this is the best that they have to offer more. Well, I mean, it went quite long. It went over 20 minutes. Um, and I thought the last few minutes turned into a really, really good match. Um now, Nakamura, unfortunately, isn't the worker he used to be. He's not nowhere near the worker he used to be. 
maybe injuries have just caught up with him. Um, maybe it's motivation. Maybe it's both. Um, Rollins has been, for me, the most consistent um, main roster worker in the WWE this year. Um, he's had lots of really good matches on TV and on pay-per-view. And um, this was another one. Um, I thought that um, you know, he really um, assembled something really good and um, got the best out of Nakamura. I mean, Nakamura you know, had a bunch of matches with um, AJ Styles, almost all of which flat to deceive. And uh, you know, this was, um, you know, better than a lot of the matches that Nakamura had with AJ. And, you know, AJ is talked up within the WWE is, you know, the best worker in the company. And yet, uh, you know, for me, this this was better than nearly all the AJ matches. So uh, all credit to Rollins. I, I thought, you know, this was yet another very impressive performance from him and, um, you know, deserved to go over. And, uh, you know, he, he's come a long way this year. You know, he, start, he came into this year with us having reservations about him as a viable baby face. Um, but I think, you know, he comes across um, very well now in that role. And, uh, and I think if if he continues with his direct, direct trajectory even, um, you know, he could be in for a very big 2019. Uh, and Guy, did you enjoy this match? And I suppose we were expecting Seth, uh, Dean Ambrose to make an appearance, but uh, that one didn't come off either. Yeah, I mean, I think we we both picked Nakamura a win, didn't we? Because of that reason, there was yeah. so many outside storylines. Uh, well, in in multiple matches, um, and yeah, as as we said when we started previewing, pretty much they don't really care about TV. <laughs> it's just pretty much you might as well not be canon. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it was. I think a couple of the AJ Styles matches, as Mo said, flattered to deceive. I mean, there was a couple of occasions where you thought, okay, this was building into a good match, and then it ended um, prematurely. But I think this one was, well, was it match of the night? Probably was. Um, and yeah, I think I, I wouldn't mind seeing that again. I mean, it, maybe obviously Nakamura is. You would have seen more uh, than me. More obviously, he's. Not what he used to be, but as he was in Japan, even in NXT. Um, and yeah, I think it's fair to say this was his best main roster match. And if if, if that's all Seth Rollins, so be it. We all we all know that Seth Rollins probably the best thing. He, well, he car- he carried Raw pretty much on his own for a good damn while. Um, and yeah, I mean Rollins is a special talent, and Nakamura. I thought they'd try and legitimize his US title run, which has been pretty horrendous so far but no they didn't do that um but yeah i think uh rawlins will probably go into bigger and better stuff now especially now that he's got the main title on raw uh or the only title or male title on raw now um so yeah it, it, it was probably match of the night and i i wouldn't mind seeing more of it to be honest but obviously that, that's probably not going to happen I uh, maybe didn't quite have it as much of the night but uh yeah it was it it was one of the better matches um, to so from one of the betters to um the con the other contender for worst match of the night. Uh, this this was a real disappointment for me, guy. Because as you know, I'm I'm a big fan of tag team wrestling, and I I enjoy the uh, the authors of pain. Um, big fan of uh, watching the bar. Th- this one really really disappointed me. That this 
was was pretty damn terrible in in all fairness. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, we 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 actually said this was the safest bet for match of the night and possibly match of the week, well, the, <laughs> yeah. one of the matches of the we weekend. Know? Yeah, uh, pretty much all our prediction for the main roster stuff has gone down the shitter, Andy. Because oh my god, this might have been the wor- one of the worst things I've ever seen, and there's some, been some horrendous shit in the WWE over the years I've been watching. I mean. A bloke pissing himself on TV in 2018. Good God, yeah. Jesus Christ! Yeah, he's the man. He's the manager of the biggest, scariest tag team in the company. Or did suppose it in the company? Um, and and you've got him pissing himself. I mean, it it he he can't. He's going to be scarred by that for a, like probably his entire WWE career. He's not going to get past that. No. I mean, the all, all the the chance in the crowd at Raw have already fucking done that it's just yeah i mean I, I, a comedy moment that wasn't funny unless you're free and three-year-olds won't be watching wwe <laughs> um yeah it, it was just horrendous and there was i had so many more expectations for this match and i thought it would have been a good platform for aop to put on one of the one of the nxt level matches we saw in the past and it was just the complete opposite i mean it's probably done damage to AOP, if anything. I mean, we said the bar. Everyone knows what the bar is, and they could probably survive a, survive a loss. But, I mean, Jesus Christ. They're really testing that theory. Yeah. Uh, more, I'm sure Vince got a laugh out of this, because I, I don't doubt that it was. if it wasn't his idea, it was certainly uh, put in front of him, and it, it would have appealed to him, because I don't think it's the first time we've seen this this kind of thing used in in the WWE, but you, you could see, uh, I nearly call him Rockstars, but Drake Maverick um, fiddling to to get the uh, whatever contraption it was that they had there to get it squirting. It wasn't even very convincing. It was, it was uh, no pun intended. It was a piss poor end to a piss poor match. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um... Yet another example of um, the old saying that when you sign with the WWE, you check you you check your dignity in at the door. Um, and I feel for Spud. Um, I'll call him Spud. I'm not going to call him Drake Maverick because I um, I've known I've known him since um, he debuted in the business and when he was first a uh, rookie, you know, in his early years. Always very, very respectful. Um, you know, whenever he saw me at any show, he'd always come up to me, shake my hand, um, and um, you know, just a real proper professional. And to see him having to do nonsense like this is really sad. Um, but you know, it's um, one of those unfortunate things that you know, Spud, like many. Um, kids that get into the business aspire to end up in the wwe and you know i just thought back to wrestlemania um at wrestlemania he didn't even work a match he was actually just there as the commissioner of or the general manager of 205 live and yet he got very emotional when he came out he was actually um on the verge of tears because it meant that much to him um so for this company that means so much to him to do this to him um is terrible but it, it just tells you all you need to know about the kind of people that run the wwe that they 
you know, get kicks off of humiliating their talent. And uh, that's all it was. It wasn't about, you know, trying to get him over. It wasn't about trying to get anybody else over. It was purely about humiliation and embarrassment. And, um, you know, the only people that should be embarrassed are the people that decided to put that on TV. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned 2 or 5. Uh, Buddy Murphy defeated Mustafa Ali in what was, it was a good match, but to be honest, I think the crowd were pretty much out of it because this match felt completely out of place on on Survivor Series with the storyline revolving so much about Raw versus SmackDown. I think this would have been, this match would have been much better served being a part of perhaps TLC. Uh, do, do you agree on that one more? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with um, these two guys, they've both been um, arguably the two standout performers on uh, 205 Live this year. Um, Buddy Murphy's had a number of really good matches, as has Mustafa Ali. So uh, this was um, certainly expected to be a a really good match. And even though it only went just over 12 minutes, um, I thought what they did in that time was very good. And, you know, it's difficult for the 205 Live guys to um, get a really strong reaction from the crowd because uh, they're portrayed as glorified jobbers, as people that are not as important as the main roster talent. Um, So for them to get the crowd into this match, to the extent that they did, uh, was all credit to them. Um, But uh, yeah, this did feel a bit out of place, um, given that this whole show was based around the theme of Raw versus SmackDown, um, to have a 205 Live match here um, didn't quite feel right. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. that It would have probably been a better fit for TLC. Yeah. Uh, And of the Raw versus uh, SmackDown men's match then, I've got to go with the crowd. You know, the way that it started off with Samoa Joe instantly uh, being eliminated the crowd were, were chanting bullshit, bullshit, and and I have to agree. I mean, is this another sort of Vince, you know, giving middle finger to to the hardcore fans or the internet fans, as they sometimes like to call them? Yeah, it appeared so. Um, it was just really, really stupid and pointless not to put Joe into a really... Um, prominent uh role within the match you know he could argue being the person that this match was built around he could have been the focal point of the match and uh you know they really need to be um elevating talent at this stage you know they have got um you know a dearth of talent that is really over and is seen to be bona fide main event talent um especially with roman reigns now out of the picture and john cena pretty much down to being a part-time worker that shows up every six months. Um, So for them not to take that opportunity with Joe was a real missed opportunity because this is the type of match that, you know, he could have really more than held his own against um, the likes of Braun Strowman and possibly even eliminated Braun. Um, Yet they chose not to do that. They chose to get rid of him really early. It was just nonsensical. Uh, The match itself, um, very mediocre. Um, you know, it for for them to be using it as a vehicle for shame at Man, it was just absolutely mind-boggling. I don't, I don't even understand 
what the logic is, what the what the reasoning is. I mean, I, I can't even if I start clutching at imaginary straws, I can't come up with one sound logical reason why they'd want to put Shane McMahon over, unless this is part of some master plan that will lead to something really, really special and really, really good. But I try as I might, I can't figure it out. So if you've got answers, then, you know, well done. But I, I'm really struggling. I'm still searching for those answers because I was, after this, I was thinking, okay, are we going to get something significant on SmackDown? Is that why we've got the clean sweep? Is that why we've got Shane going all this way in this? And we got nothing. We we got nothing than, other than a stupid skit, really. And and it's it's just quite puzzling. It feels as though they're kind of making it up on the fly. A really, really disappointing match. And Guy, I don't know what you thought of it. There was a point in this as well that really got me. Again, this whole sort of a logical side of the booking. You had, um, there was a little a little point in the match where Strowman and McIntyre started fighting with each other. And then the SmackDown guys break them up and start beating on them. It's like, why would you bother? If two of your opponents are fighting with each other and they're the biggest and baddest, surely let them get on with it. <laughs> like, why, why would they need to get in there and stop that? It just, ah, I don't know. It, it, help me out, guy. Uh, I can't. It was absolutely <laughs> horrendous. It, it, I'd probably... <sighs> From an ex- expectations point of view, I'd probably say this is probably the worst match of the weekend for me. I know there was worse actual matches, but I actually thought this could have had some good moments, and it was just shit. I mean, you had the old... Well, if Shane McMahon's in a match, you got to elbow someone through a table from the top rope. Why not? I mean, we've seen that before. They, well, we saw the exact same finish last year. I mean, I'm getting bored of Braun now. They're booking Braun Strowman horrendously. I'm, all, I'm. He should be the. He should be the bloke replacing, uh, or somewhat replacing Roman Reigns. He's already lost to Brock Lesnar in a piss take way, and now we. Now he's getting forced down our throat in pretty much every big match possible because what he eliminated four people in that yeah, match. Yeah, that's what in we the had space to, of about three seconds. That, well, it's it's a kind of a pattern, isn't it? They build him up, build him up, build him up. He fought Brock Lesnar, lost in ten minutes. Okay, so we build him up, build him up, build him up. He fights Brock Lesnar, he gets beat again. So now yeah. we get him to be, so what do we do we get do we build him how far do we build him before he loses to Brock again? Yeah. Mm. And and well, as we you got say, the, we got the answer. He's he's fighting him at Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So and and this is a the thing then is do, do do people start to turn on on Braun like we're getting bored of this. We 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 recognize this recipe. Can we have something different please? Well, obviously we kind of had that build last year, didn't we? And then all of a sudden we ended up getting Joe versus Brock. And everyone loved Joe versus Brock. And then we were all expecting Braun to eventually win the title. And, well, it's nearly 2019. And he's he's been battered by Brock multiple times in that time. Mm. It's just... And um, do you get to a point, see, he's still over with the fans, but will they get to a point where they think... He might be big, he might be a monster, he might beat all these people. But when it comes to the big match, he always loses. So what's the point in getting behind this guy? 
Yeah, I mean, he, he, he is going the way of getting Big Show, didn't he? That's probably the best way of putting it. <laughs> I mean, he's like a few heel turns and face turns away from being Big Show, isn't he? Um, oh, that, that, yeah, it, it, it's a just a mess. Well, not not just yet. Give it give yeah, it a few I, years, well, and then maybe Big Show. But it was yeah, just a mess. I, I'm sure I'm sure he'll get um, he'll get Lars Sullivan at uh, TLC. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> sure, yeah, I'm yeah, sure Lars probably... Sullivan is is the one who's been lined up to uh, to interfere and turn up and get his hands on Braun at some way. That's what that's what yeah. I think we're going to get at TLC. Absolutely, but... and and the the worst thing from that match is they had all that talent who was ready to take a step up. And well, Braun pinned everyone. They, they didn't even use Drew that well. Obviously, he knocked out Samoa Joe, which I, I agree with both of you. It was fucking stupid. Um, you had Finn there, couple minutes, got knocked out. Bobby Lashley. I mean, nobody wants to see him go over, but he would have been different at least. I know he's shit and all that, but it would have been different. Um, they probably end up having Braun versus him in the build up to his match with Baron Corbin which nobody wants to see. And the SmackDown team, I almost... I'm trying to think of who was on it. Miz, oh my God, did you see what happened to him on TV? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, this is the point, yeah. It, it, was, it wasn't really used... It wasn't even used as a vehicle for something bigger and better. You know, we, we had yeah. Jeff Hardy and, and Rey Mysterio pushed. And, and no offence, but, you know, they were really big. Ten years that would ago, have been, that would have been good in two thousand seven. <laughs> yeah, that that's it. You know, it's it's some some mighty odd decision making going on. Anyway, down to the last couple of matches, guy. What did you make of Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair? Um, yeah, I, I'll 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 change what I said earlier. This was probably match of the night. Uh, I I, come, I I forgot about it because I was just thinking, oh, the rest of it was shit. <laughs> but no, this was actually really good. And um, yeah, I I think this was perfect for Ronda. Um, obviously, it's a shame it wasn't Becky. But I mean, obviously, we know Ronda's going to go on and beat Nia Jax. But then you can see, obviously, uh, more mentioned, you could see Nia Jax versus Becky at, at the Royal Rumble. This also gives um, the platform for Charlotte versus uh, Ronda at the Royal Rumble, and then you can eventually, hopefully, build Becky versus Ronda um, from from that point onwards. But yeah, this this was just brilliant. I mean, I think it was a bit of a messy start, but after that, it was uh, I thought it was really good. And the stuff after the mat, after the finish, uh, I think it just helps develop Charlotte as a character because she was going really stale. As well, so yeah, I thought it, I thought it worked throughout all of it, and uh, obviously we see the development of Ronda now, who's actually showing some vulnerability that isn't from the Bella twins. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, that that's great. I I think it'll do. I think it'll do wonders for for Ronda's long term uh, career because you don't want to book her as someone who's just going to squash everyone. You need to sort sort some vulnerability, and obviously Charlotte's the probably the most well-booked uh, woman in, in the last few years. And, and it shows that Ronda can put on these good matches. And I think that's what it was developing before the, for the before the disqualification. I, I've got a little theory, but I'll, I'll get both of your takes on things first before I get into my ideas. But uh, Mo, what did you make of this match then? Because I'll be honest, it's been very, very well-received. And, and I thought it was good, but I actually think what happened after the disqualification was better than what ha- actually happened within the actual match itself. 
Yeah, I think that um, the match itself uh, wasn't one of these um, conventional-type great matches. Um, You know, it was more about them stiffing each other, really. You know, and we saw the evidence of that on Ronda especially. You know, she was covered in bruises and scratches and cuts and all sorts of marks. Um, so it was a very, very physical match. And I think they specifically discussed and agreed to take that approach prior to the contest. And uh, they, um, you know, obviously had the blood as well with the cut. I'm not convinced, in fact, that it was a genuine cut because it has been known sometimes um, when talent try to get a match over that sometimes they'll um, chew on a what they call a blood capsule, and um, then it looks like they're bleeding from the mouth, but actually it's not. It's not real. Um, so that that looked more like a blood capsule than a real cut in the mouth because um, there was a lot of blood there and. Um, it didn't seem like that hard an elbow from Charlotte. Um, but no, it was, it was good in that it was um, a different type of match to the one that we normally see from Charlotte, um, but very intense, very physical, and um, certainly suggested that there's more to come from them rather than it being a one and done. Um, albeit, you know, it will be difficult given that um, they're on different brands, but, uh, you know, whether it's after the inevitable Becky versus Ronda WrestleMania match um, or possibly before that, um, perhaps a bit too early to tell just yet. But uh, yeah, when they when they do clash again, um, I think we'll have some real quality. But no, I agree. It wasn't quite at the level of um, the earlier match, uh, but uh, no, it was still very, very good. Yeah, I've my my theory is that uh, that Vince still sees Charlotte as the biggest star. It doesn't, you know, doesn't doesn't see Becky uh, on that level or above. It's you know they they see that that Charlotte is the star, not Becky, and 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 I kind of feel as though the way that Becky's got over, they weren't expecting her to be this hot. They weren't expecting this. It's come as a bit of a surprise to them. And mm. and I actually kind of wonder if they're trying to take a similar approach with Charlotte in an attempt to, you know, make her character the same so that they can put her in that position and um, rather than us get the uh, the Ronda versus Becky match at, at uh, WrestleMania, we either get a triple threat or we get it before then and then we get Charlotte versus Ronda at WrestleMania because I think... Vince still sees that as the bigger match than uh, Ronda versus Becky. That's just my theory. Well, that was the original plan. Um, going back to um, March-April time of this year, in fact, even as far back as that, the plan was to go with uh, Ronda versus Charlotte, and they were going to start building it from around now, um, from around the Survivor Series time, and culminating with a one-on-one match um, at the uh, at WrestleMania, so I think what would have happened is um, they would, if 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 the plans had worked out, that they perhaps would have been on opposing sides, um, you know, the women's Raw and SmackDown um, teams 
and would have had a couple of interactions during that and then perhaps a little bit more at the Royal Rumble and then a proper um, build, you know, February, March, April, leading into WrestleMania. But uh, as you say, um, you know, they were caught by surprise with uh, the uh, massive uh, rise of Becky Lynch in the last few months. And, um, you know, it, it is a very recent thing because I was I was just re-watching um, Money in the Bank uh, from, I think it was June. And Becky was in um, the Money in the Bank match. She was actually the least over of all of the women in that match. I mean, there was, I think there were seven women in that match. Um, and she got the quietest reaction of all of the talents that were at that contest. I mean, at that time, she was still a baby face. Um, and obviously, it was uh, a few weeks after that she began her heel turn. And um, since then, she's just skyrocketed. Um, but no, the, the, the plan was never for her to be a focal point and certainly not to be the um, opponent for Ronda going into uh, WrestleMania. But um, uh, that's just how it appears to be but you're, you're quite right it could be that vince still has um, a grand plan to um, get charlotte into the picture somehow even if it is to ultimately replace becky um, in that wrestlemania match but at the very least it might be to eventually turn it into a three-way but i think the effectiveness of it would be um, affected if it wasn't to be a singles match between becky and ronda Mm, yeah, I, I I think they've got to be very careful as well because I think the crowd could really turn on them if they uh, if they don't uh, recognise just where this is going because she's she's probably the the hottest talent in the company right now uh, and that really is saying something. Becky Lynch is not just owning TV and and pay per view; she's owning social media. She's she she's absolutely on fire. It's it's. It's just an incredible rise. So well, this will be interesting how things do progress over the coming uh, weeks and months. Um, I'll, I'll stay with you more then. What were your thoughts on Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan? Because this, I, 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 what I mentioned to Guy when we did the preview last week was I, I thought this was kind of strange. It, it would be slightly odd in the dynamic because we've, you know, we've all been conditioned into now that Brock Lesnar's a heel. You know, he's the guy that you should not be cheering. You have to boo him because he doesn't even want to be here. He doesn't, you know, he turns up when he feels like it. He's got the champ. He's got the championship belt again. People aren't happy with that. And he's facing the guy who has just turned on the crowd, just kicked AJ Styles in the balls to win the title. Um, heel versus heel. And, and it's, I, I just thought it was it was going to be slightly odd dynamic going into into this match. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's uh, reeks of short termism in terms of the booking that um, the main event of the Survivor Series was heel versus heel match, and you know the, the title switch itself um, for the WWE Championship um, certainly felt like it came out of the blue. Um, but uh, nonetheless, um, they made that call for whatever reason and um, they went ahead with this match. And I I thought that actually the match turned out to be a really good one by the end of it. Um, 
No, I expected it to very much be Brock dominating. You know, anyone that thought, okay, this will be a 50-50 match where they go toe-to-toe to begin with, clearly hasn't been paying much attention to Brock Lesnar matches since he came back. Um, you know, this was kind of par for the course. But I thought that, um, you know, he would then, um, you know, give that little chink, um, that opening, that ray of light for Daniel Bryan um, to turn things around. And that opened up and, uh, you know, we then saw Daniel Bryan get into the contest and the fans really, really got into it. And, um, you know, the last few minutes, um, you know, they were <laughs> super into the match. And, um, you know, for certainly in the first half of it, they were very, very subdued, partly because they'd been sitting there and watching wrestling for about four and a half hours. Um, but secondly, because, you know, squash matches are not all that exciting. And that's exactly what it was um, for the first half. And yet, um, you know, as soon as um, Daniel Bryan managed to get back into the contest, um, you know, it really started to turn things around. And, you know, this is where he really showed um, how capable he is as a worker because, um, you know, fans really started to believe something could happen here. A bit like the night before where, you know, we saw it with Velveteen and Champa, but even to a greater extent because this was the dominant bully in Brock against the much smaller Daniel Bryan. And fans thought, okay, finally he's going to job to somebody much smaller than him. Didn't happen, but um, he had us believing that it might just happen. Yeah, I just it was slightly odd as well at the start is that Daniel Bryan was working a classic heel, you know, the evasion and the the whole kind of way that he was doing it. It was classic heel, so mm. you had a, you had the classic heel avoiding the bully heel. So I I wonder as well, but it didn't kind of help the fans in that you know what are we supposed to do here? Who are we supposed to get behind? And it just kind of I think I think for a good portion of this match it felt like it dragged to me. Yeah, I mean it wasn't um, entirely unexpected to say um, that the match would start off like this, and it's hard to get as I say um, all that enthusiastic about a squash match um, unless you know something actually getting destroyed. But Brock wasn't even delivering you know, all of his suplexes, which then gets the count going. Um, so it, was, it wasn't really all that much of that either. But um, no, I thought Daniel Bryan um, almost reverted back into babyface mode in a way to kind of get fans into it. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they put aside the fact that they were clearly heel versus heel and started to treat Daniel Bryan as, as the babyface. Um, but it was um, warped dynamics in terms of the storytelling. Um, but despite that, um, they still managed to develop a really, really good match, bizarrely. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself then, Guy? Um, how did you find this one then? Because like I, I, I felt like it, it was slightly odd dynamic. It felt like it really dragged. But like more, I felt like it, it certainly got better as it wore on towards the end. It, it got, it actually became a good match. But how how did you kind of feel by the end of this? Did it just feel slightly odd that this was the end of a a pay per view? Because I, I'm 
I can't quite put my finger on it, but it was, uh, I don't know. It, it didn't feel like a big ending to a big pay-per-view. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, in that regard, it was very weird. It, it felt like eerily deliberate, if you get what I mean. The the fact that um, the first half of the match, it, it was getting booked as a squash match. You had Brock just taking the piss. I mean, even he started his own chants. Maybe he thought, uh, although he doesn't like it, he obviously doesn't like doing all this shit. I, I, he seems to love when cha- when uh, the crowd chants for him. It's, it's just weird. Um, he, he loves a suplex city chant. Um but yeah, I mean, for me, this match showed what could have been potentially one of the biggest moments in modern wrestling history a few years ago when, when uh, Brian was at his peak. Because if if Brian was at the peak of his babyface run and Brock um, was obviously playing this big old twat, you could have had one of the biggest moments in, in wrestling history if, if Brian was to take a title off Braun, uh, of Brock. Sorry. Um, because, as Moore said, I mean, the crowd got really hot for it in the last few moments. Imagine if you, if they showed Brock having that vulnerability um, sooner in the match. I'm not sure how long the match actually went for, but it felt like a bloody long match because of the way it was done. But if they actually had, it was never going to be 50-50, as Moore said. But if they if they give it a 60-40% or just showing more vulnerability like, they did, like they've done in the past with AJ Styles, with CM Punk, I mean, that that could have been, that could be one of the big moments in rest, in, in modern wrestling if they ended up doing this ever again at a, at a WrestleMania or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've ended up eventually enjoying this, but at the start I was thinking, oh God, they've tried to just finally piss on this Daniel Bryan bonfire and no I, I think it ended up doing wonders but I mean yeah as you said the heel versus heel thing was just very weird uh, maybe they could have done the heel turn after Survivor Series and I think that's, the title something yeah sorry I, sorry to interrupt I think that's a good call actually you know in, in hindsight that's maybe something that they could have done you know it could easily have done the title change in a slightly different manner with you know the perhaps uh, little you know subtle hints at, a, at the, the possibility yeah. of a turn and the then pull, having the turn trunks or something like that yeah just worked. just a little something in there um, but then you know yeah doing the the full on the full on turn on the crowd could have started the smackdown afterwards and then yeah that that whole dynamic of david versus goliath with it being you know heel versus babyface probably i think may have had the crowd hooked in from the start and really had them along so it's but i i guess you know when when you look at all mm. the other things that we've talked about in this yeah. show you know the thing for, the thing really for this match andy it. yeah the thing for this andy is i wouldn't mind seeing more of it if i'm honest obviously it'd probably be better with the the natural dynamics but i wouldn't mind seeing brian versus brock in a lot in a longer promo because obviously this has had half a week <laughs> yeah that's well, about that, it this, this could actually be thing. something good yeah that's the other thing is there was no proper build to this so you know as a different thing you know perhaps then rather than you know brock dominating for sort of 12 minutes before we see that the match sort of start to flip around is if if Brian somehow gets, you know, get, you know, even that whole thing of, you know, he evades him, gets him in, and then catches him, boom, hurts his knee, something in yeah. there, that's it, wounded animal. Suddenly he's he's vulnerable, his legs are gone, you know, some way of working that in, and that becomes the storyline of the match that it's a wounded animal, 
And then right from the beginning, the crowd are all, oh, my God, th- this could really happen. It's believable rather than, yeah, he just obliterates him for so long. So, yeah, th- there is different ways to do it. And and, and I like uh, I like your shout, actually. I think somewhere down the line they can do this again with a different dynamic and a bit more planning, and it could be something to really look forward to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, I, I doubt they'll do it, but I mean, as we mentioned throughout the pod, they're still looking for that starter replace Roman, aren't they? So maybe they revert back to type with the Daniel Bryan thing, because I think you mentioned it in the WhatsApp group earlier, earlier more that uh, um, AJ might want to take a, a bit more of a reduced role, so Daniel Bryan might be the one to step up on SmackDown at least, and then we'll see what happens with the draft. But I think Daniel Bryan might be one who can step in uh, into the main star shoes. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Um, actually, it was Tadewa in that group. <laughs> mentioned was it, it Tadewa? Uh, Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you were waiting to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. You know, it, it, it just seems a bit odd when they decided to go with the title switch when they did because um, everyone was geared up towards seeing AJ versus Brock 2. But... Uh, wasn't to be, but that said, I'm sure that um, they'll look to do that match again because I know that Brock genuinely does, in fact, he's a fan of AJ Styles um, and really enjoyed his match with him last year and wants to work with him again. So, um, you know, it could be that, that that's a match that they decide to go with uh, possibly the Rumble. Um, but again, it's difficult given that um, both are currently on different rosters um but um that 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 opens up the whole discussion about well how much longer can they go with split rosters given that um fox will be the home of smackdown in 2019 and um they will want all of their major stars to be appearing on network television um so at that point they could well decide to end the brand split for the second time and uh, bring everyone together again. But uh, until then, um, it will be difficult for Brock and AJ to uh, collide and lock horns once more. Yeah, so final point. I mean, I think we can all agree that uh, the Survivor Series certainly wasn't as good a show to watch as NXT. I don't think there's any dispute in that. But in terms of the storyline then more, have you? Did you see? Do you have any reason of hope or, or understanding as to why they they go for such a clean sweep like they have? And you know, can, can we expect something big to kick off? That this this is all start of of some new direction for for one of the shows to take as to why that they they wanted to push so heavily one show going over the other. Um, I think that it has to culminate in the end of the brand split, the brand extension, or whatever they now call it. Um, that's the only logical thing for me. Um, because as I say, you know, SmackDown will be on network television. It will be on the equivalent of an ITV or a Channel 4 for the WWE. It's a major deal. And they won't want their... Um, secondary performers or a lot of the secondary performers um, to be appearing on that um, channel with that level of exposure and their A show and their A-level talent not to be on there. So 
I think it's inevitable that they will end the brand um, extension. And um, I think that is something that perhaps is the only way to explain what happened on Survivors, uh, the raw clean sweep on the main show. And, um, you know, in terms of exactly how that all materializes, um, we'll, we'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, I think um, that that's the eventual um, end result. But um, how they get there, who who, who knows? Mm. Here's one for you, Guy, then. What what about if if they use this as a storyline, that the Vince comes out and say, I'm not happy with this, uh, you know, with, with Shane, with SmackDown. It's, uh, it's so far behind. It needs shaking up. Um, that's it. Stephanie's in charge of SmackDown with Triple H. Um, and, and we get a big, ros- you know, some roster changes and whatnot. And, and we can get the whole, if they want to kick off the whole Shane becoming a heel thing or whatever he can do on Raw. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the dream of Triple H actually taking over one of these shows, isn't it? And, and to fix this shit. Um, I think Moore's is probably more likely, in all honesty. That I quite like the brand split, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's just no consistency in the company. You've obviously got different writing, um, staff and stuff like that. And it just, it's when these um, core pay-per-views come together... You've just got loads of confused mess, and this is this was the result of it, if anything. Um, and yeah, whilst Vince is there, Raw's always got going to have the natural bias because that's his baby, isn't it? And um, yeah, it's just just a bit of a mess. But I, I think what I, I I kind of expected going off this SmackDown getting smashed thing is maybe a couple call ups for NXT saying okay, the roster's shit now. Maybe have a few call ups. I mean, maybe. If they want to um, build Lars into something, possibly not him. But I mean, there's people like in in NXT who must be waiting to to get some opportunity. I mean, like EC3 probably do a job. Um, maybe oh god, god to god forgive forbid, um, Johnny Gargano or something like that. But I mean, it, just going off this week's television Smackdown just seems to have brushed it aside apart from the whole Miz thing which just made it all a lot worse <laughs> but yeah. yeah I mean I, I just don't I just don't see what the what the plan is yeah and, and that's the thing it feels at the moment like there is no long term plan in that it, it's just kind of done on the fly a bit so yeah it's it's not great <laughs> it's not too great yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Any, anyway, folks, uh, the next one up is uh, is TLC. Um, yeah, <laughs> looks not... like a good looks like a good card. Yeah, to be it, fair. the card could be good. It'll be shit. Well, if we don't expect much from it, then it could actually pleasantly surprise us. But um, uh, that's the one. That's the last of the pay per views for the for this year. But uh, before the end of the year, more. Um, can we expect you back? Maybe we can uh, put together a best of worst of uh, 2016 or 20, uh, 2018 even. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we can look at um, possibly doing something like that. Yeah, definitely. And if not, then I'd hope to certainly be back for the uh, Rumble review in a couple of months. 
Yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what we can put together that, for you. That podcast is just going to be Johnny Gargano, Tomasa Champa, <laughs> best of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the Gargano Awards. We can just recall, yeah. we can just call them the Garganos, mm. <laughs> the Slammies. We, we'll have the Garganos. There we go. Uh, and the worst of um, what do we what the Garganos and the Taminas? Uh, how about that? Brace. Oh gosh, he's not even been on telly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God help him if they ever do move him off. That's all I can say. Anyway, <clears throat> more great to have you back on the show again. Yeah, uh, and, to be back. Thank you. Yeah, like we say, hopefully it won't be too long before we can have you back on again and uh, we can look back over 2018. Definitely 2018, not 2016. Uh, and pick out our our favourite moments uh, and our not so favourite moments. Uh, and guy, it'll be me and you again, um, probably in a couple of weeks. Yeah, probably. I don't even know when TLC is. It's probably middle December or something like that. But if not, we'll think of something to put in there. Yeah, well, what we have got a little bit of an idea for, um, folks, and uh, you might want to get involved in this. I'll actually, uh, what we might well do is we'll put it on Twitter as a bit of a poll, and we can have a. We, we can maybe have little knockout rounds or something like that. So we were going to do a podcast on uh, the best wrestling uh, theme entrance songs. So uh, uh, vote Eric Bischoff. I won't do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we'll, we'll put them, all your suggestions, we'll put them together. We'll put, put some polls together, something like that. And we can have kind of a, you know, a, not, not a best in the world, world cup knockout kind of thing. Um, but we'll put them all together and we'll see what comes out on top and we can have lots of fun talking about that. So uh, we'll maybe do that in a couple of weeks' t- time, Guy. What do you think? Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. We'll have a World Cup of all American songs. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So, so there you have it, folks. That that was episode 110 of the Pro Wrestling Index right here on Anfield Next podcast channel. And like you say, if you want to keep in touch with us, at PW underscore index is our address on Twitter. Please do. Uh, thanks to Mo. Thanks to Guy. Thanks to each and every one of you for listening in and downloading the show. Like we say, we will be back in a couple of weeks. But from now, for now, till then, from myself, Andy Wells, it's bye bye now. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.